Welcome to the CF podcast series, How I Fucked Up. I'm your host, Andrew Gall. Here at How I Fucked Up, we bring outside marketing leaders in to tell stories of failure and lessons learned. This is actually part two of How I Fucked Up with Kevin Lynch. Here's where we left off. We'd been talking about Kevin's experience as a creative director at world-famous Swedish purveyor of oat milk, Oatly. But really what we were just getting into was about Kevin's personal brand and how he wove it into both his beginning when he was looking for a job and even his untimely demise within the company. So let's get back to it. I want to be respectful of your time. If you have to go. No, no worries. Are you yeah, sure? All good. Okay. Yep. We can always, uh, we can always cut this into two parts too. Cause there's just, <laughs> no problem. we've only, we've only scratched the surface. Uh, so <laughs> I would love to add, well, so I think what's interesting, what I'm hearing summing up some of that, starting with talking about the, you know, the four reasons and, and then what you wrote in the aftermath, it's like all of that interfacing with the public or, you know, the ad world or whatever you call it, the get in, or even the recruiting effort made on your own behalf. It's like, you stayed true to basically kind of who you are as a person throughout that and your writing style and your creative style. And I think that that is not to be discounted because I think it used to be the thought was if you were a creative person and you had a strong book, you'd get in the door and then they'd talk to you and find out whether or not you were an asshole. And if you were not an asshole, you'd get the job. I do. I feel like that's changed a bit in a sense of the industry has gotten so much smaller. Number one, number two, there's uh, so many other brands out there like an Oatly or like a, a Google or an Amazon or, or companies that have brought in talented people from agencies to, to build their own agency in house. I think it's become much more important that it does go beyond your work a little bit in a degree that it didn't before. Would you, how do you, what do you think about that? Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I always find it hard to like offer up, you know, industry uh, observations. Cause I just, I, I think it's a, it's such a broad, there, there's, it's such a broad set of experiences. And to me, what you said is absolutely true. I think part of it is just, if you've built up a skill set that goes beyond being a nice person and being a good creative, then you're going to be much more integrated in that, in that organization. I mean, that, you know, at, at Oatly, I, you know, in the, in the last couple of months that I'd spent there, it was actually to create a new position for me to kind of take on some things that I'd done at other places that, that I saw as a need for the organization. One was just, you know, mentorship that, that there wasn't necessarily any sort of organized way to, to kind of make sure that the next generation of elite um, creatives, you know, we're, we're going to kind of grow into the next uh, leaders of the, of the department. Um, I saw the, the culture of the place, um, you know, potentially shifting, you know, anytime you have an organization growing that, that quickly, you're going to have people coming in with different disciplines, different backgrounds, different philosophies, and to me, the, so one of the things I was I was working on was it was called the Oatly Center for Unlearning, and it, it was basically just it was it was a glorified onboarding program, but one where you know you have someone coming in from a Unilever, for example, and and they're going to bring a bunch of things that we as as Oatly didn't necessarily do you know or could have done better. So that knowledge is fantastic. But they're also going to bring probably a little bit more, you know, uh, skepticism or, or doubt about, you know, some of the creative risks that Oatly finds really natural to take. And that we want to make sure that that they understand sort of that there's a reason why we do what we do. So it was kind of it, it was going to kind of help define 
the stuff that made the place special. Again, it wasn't me who made it special, but God, I loved it. You know, I, I had so much respect for it and I wanted to make sure that as the organization grew, you know, that was going to be retained. And so you take that example, going back to your question and you go, yeah, that's, you know, that contribution is more than just be a nice person and, and come up with some good work. It does feel like creatives have that opportunity to make a bigger impact. I think one of the strengths that that the John Schoolcraft and the and the gang at Oatly did was, you know, they kind of put creativity at the center of the company. This wasn't a marketing department or creative department thing. This was a creativity throughout the organization that's going to make the organization better. Um, I think others, uh, you know, as as that in house um, sort of migration has happened, I think more organizations are. I realize again, having some of those messed up brains like ours uh, amongst uh, amongst the ranks is is actually going to be pretty beneficial. So, did you start that the mentorship stuff? Was that something that you saw the opportunity for, and that was a proactive move on your part to to sort of expand your your role and stuff like that? Yeah, it was. I mean, basically, it, it, so I, ironically, at the beginning of the year, we we started just talking about you know the, the it was a sort of a shift of definition of what a creative director is or should be at, at Oatly. And and I said to the gang, I said I would just fire all the creative directors. Uh, I said because because you actually aren't treating us as creative directors. We're not making the impact that a creative director at other organizations um, would do. And and uh, yeah, and and so they they took my advice eventually. <laughs> but no, so so that's that's kind of what started this conversation of going. Look, you guys have done a, like an amazing job in a, a bunch of aspects. But there's a couple that, you know, you, you haven't taken on or don't want to take on that I think are ultimately important. And so those were the conversations we had. So, yeah, so I got promoted on June 1st and then axed uh, three weeks later. Uh, I'd like to say it's not because I did such a shitty job, but I, I, yeah, I'm not really sure. But no, it, um, ultimately, uh, you know, it was part of a, a larger, larger wave. So. I'm, I'm told that some of the, a lot of the discussions that we had uh, have kind of sparked some good things internally, and they're they're kind of taking some of that stuff on, uh, anyways, which is uh, I think ultimately going to be really really helpful. Yeah, uh, I think I mean I think that's really interesting too, in in a sense that if you're willing to, and again, it used to be it I felt like at least when I was a younger creative mid-level creative. I just like, I just want to do the stuff. I want to make the stuff. I don't give a shit about talking to clients. I don't, you know, don't care about building rapport with my account people. I mean, not to that level, but you know, it's, it was just, it's a bit more siloed and a bit more, I guess, one note in terms of like, well, I want to do good work and I want to win awards and that kind of thing. And I think now the interesting thing that, that I'm hearing, and especially it's interesting, especially at a, a company as, as renowned and, and as large as, as Oatly is like, you have the space at the right company to go beyond your role a little bit and you use your, I mean, that's not a creative driven initiative that you're doing necessarily. It it relates, but it's also much more softer skill mentorship focus type stuff that historically I feel like a lot of creatives in the business either weren't interested in or just don't have those skills for. Cause it's like, it used to be, you'd get promoted to a creative director level or an ACD or whatever, but it's like, so many people I saw that didn't know how to manage people because there's sure. it's, a, it's a different skill set in a lot of ways. So I think it's interesting. And I do think that that's a way nowadays with the more modern, just the landscape is you can add value beyond what you bring to the table in terms of ideas, but also with just general human interaction and, and, and yeah. giving back to like 
to with your knowledge to help to help younger creatives grow for sure and 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 honestly like if you're you know mentally kind of having that shift from mentally challenged to make that shift i think you can look at what we talked about it's like no that's very much about creative like mentoring is about doing good work it's just helping others do good work like that's that's an even better stamp than doing it yourself looking at uh you know, creating an, an onboard program where people appreciate the creativity is kind of just giving you the fences, giving you the room for maneuver that, you know, that, that you need to be as playful and fun and risk-taking as a, as a place like Oatly. Awesome. So, yeah, ultimately it's, uh, it is about the creative. It's just in a different way. Yeah, it is. It is like, it, like I've, I've been having a bunch of conversations lately with, with, uh, with companies who don't necessarily want to, you know, hire me for work, but, but they want to kind of inject some of the thinking that, that, you know, we do as an agency or, or profess to do as an agency or, or I've, you know, had to do it, had had a chance to do it at Oatly or at, at Shanghai American school. And so I'm, I'm putting together this, you know, little workshop thing for, for companies and it's for their internal departments. And a huge part of that so far anyways, is all around recognizing the source of sameness of like, you know, kind of like getting, getting to the root of why, why is this stuff so hard? Why does everything look alike? Why are we feeling so risk adverse and what have you? Cause I think if you can get to the source of that stuff, it's just easier to kind of remove, remove those walls and what have you. So um, yeah, I, I, again, it's all, it's all in, in service of, of creativity. I, I like, I would, I always say that I don't work for clients or companies or agencies. I work for ideas and I, I think if you have that mentality, it's like, well, then do everything you can to get good ideas out into the world. And you can do do a lot of different ways, things to do that. Two more things, if you have the time. Yeah, it. And if yeah, not, it. Just, just hit the leave button. <laughs> uh, one is that I would love to hear about any specific fuck-ups that you had when your career beyond the United States. Anything specific at, at Oatly or, or Shanghai American School or, um, or BBDO that 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 might have been dependent on the I don't want to say the culture clash, but just anything that that might have been especially because of, because of because of where you were in the world at the time. Yeah, I, I you know it, I think that like moving to a to a foreign country, it's almost like there are so many fuck ups. It's kind of hard to delineate between what was a fuck up and what's just life. You know, it, like it just it 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 comes pretty naturally to to mess things up, and eventually you just get so good at shrugging it off. You asking that question, I'm just like God. There's not nothing that kind of immediately snaps, with the exception of what you also brought up, which which is the cultural differences. I I, I have a much I think more accurate this you know thought of how Americans are after leaving leaving America you know when when I first arrived in Shanghai the gang there all of whom were were from China and they said uh, we're so happy that an American when we when we heard that an American was coming I was like really <laughs> like interesting are you, are you happy? <laughs> yeah and and the, and they said they said you know why they said you yes you you know you're nice again, that's news to, to some folks. Um, they said, but you just, you're so optimistic. You just think anything can happen. And I, it's, it's really funny. It's like, I think, I think a lot of the criticisms that we as Americans, you know, kind of fall under right now is also because we think anything can happen and, you know, and what have you, but there is a, there's such a positive connotation to that. That's, that's been really helpful. It's also been, 
the reason for culture clashes. So like at, at, at Oatly, for example, there were, there were definitely situations where like, I'm just in hindsight, bullying my way through stuff. And, 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 you know, like I, I had this impression of Oatly of just like, this is where no doesn't exist. Like you just get to do whatever you want. And so I totally missed cues um, that if I were, you know, not and coming from an American background and they weren't coming from a Swedish background, we probably would have connected. But like, like I remember we were doing, we were doing this thing in the Netherlands where we were trying to find the, we we're trying to find the most, the dullest person in the Netherlands, um, which is kind of funny because there's a stereotype of, of Dutch people being like very normal as, uh, as, as a more positive connotation of it. And so we're trying to find the dullest person in the Netherlands to be the spokesperson for our dullest product, which was, which was Oatkirts. And so we, we, uh, and we located the dullest town and I mean, it, like everything was going great. And I looped in a couple of uh, my colleagues at Oatly and, you know, just said, Hey, you know, from a PR standpoint or from a, uh, influencer, you know, collab type thing, here's what we're thinking. And they just like, they weren't enthused. And then, you know, in, in Sweden, it's, you know, it's very democratic and, you know, very, you know, every, like people need to kind of buy into what you're, what you're selling. And they, you know, I'm on, I'm on teams. I'm still getting to go know the gang. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be this and this, you know, we're going to this and here's an interesting angle and this is an interesting, here could be wave one, here's wave two and whatever. And, and I'm seeing on their faces, they're just like, and, and they're like, yeah, I don't think this will work. And I don't think this will work. And I, and I don't think this will work. And these are people I have a ton of respect for. And I was like, uh-huh. Well, anyways, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> Pretty great. Like, look at each other, like, who the fuck is this? And, and uh, yeah, that had that had some really negative ripples uh, amongst my colleagues at Oatly where they're just like, yeah, the friggin' American doesn't listen. So I think there have been different sort of versions of that here or there that uh, I, I'd like to point to cultural differences, but you know, it might actually be that I'm, you know, uh, hard headed and, and stubborn and what have you. I think that's the hardest thing though, because whether you're at Oatly, whether you're somewhere else, like if you look at any great idea you've done, it's worked its way through a chorus of no's. And, and so I think sometimes for me anyways, I've, I've always found it hard and the different culture makes it harder to understand which no's to listen to and which ones to discard. Like we were uh, at Oatly, we were doing a, 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 a project for Australia, one of my markets uh, that, I, that I worked on. And, and at the time it's in the middle of COVID, none of the Australians could get home. And I figured out that if, if you, you had an Australian working on a ship, they could, you know, be classified as, you know, a, a crew and then they could, they could make their way home. And so some of the ships actually carry Oatly because, you know, we in, imported to Australia from, from uh, Rotterdam, I think it was, was the port it, it went out of. And so, uh, yeah, so we had this idea of putting a, you know, bringing a couple of Australians home and the, the um, my business partner on Australia was actually the president of the of the Maya uh, at the time, and he just kept looking at me like this is the dumbest fucking idea. And part part of it was it's, it's kind of leaning into the biggest tension that Oatly has with Australia, where there's a bunch of local brands. Australians will have a tendency to really you don't know, want to support the local brands over the you know sort of international folks, and he's like, yeah, you're basically making this problem even worse. And I was like, yeah, 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 you know, keep on charging ahead. Like, you know, one of my colleagues would, 
has looked had looked up the different classifications of cargo ships and you know like what what you know it was like it was fascinating work we're learning something every day it was really wonderful and the entire time the president of of the place was just like yeah like no this is really terrible and yeah we went farther down the road than maybe we should have and and ultimately covid uh there was no uh, no loophole covid kind of really did shut it down so it wouldn't have happened even if he was supportive but yeah, I definitely ignored the the lack of support. But you know? but how do you? I mean, how do you know which? Aside from rank, how do you know which knows to listen to? I mean, is that does that go back to experience and in like a gut thing a little bit, or because yeah, I th- yeah, it's it's difficult if you're creative and you you believe in an idea and you want to be democratic about it, but you believe in the idea. So how yeah, how do you how do you do that? It's a good question. I, and I think it's pretty telling that like the worst examples I have are my most recent job. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I guess so I'm not, I haven't learned a thing is basically what I'm trying <laughs> to tell you. It's, I, uh, you know, I, I, so I'm just, I'm just launching my personal website that just went live last week, um, which is called uh, after 50 and it, it's, it's spelled out after dash 50.com. And basically, I just said, I'm just going to do a portfolio site and nothing before I turned 50 is going to be in there. It's just going to be stuff I've done after 50. And I think I think the the part of the logic is that I don't think you get better at succeeding the longer you're in this business. I think you just get more comfortable at failing. And 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 that leads to some really good things. So yeah, to your question of, yeah, how do you know? It's like, clearly, I don't know. <laughs> I wish... I wish I could offer some help. But but the idea is the thing. Like you have to keep trying the thing, right? So yeah. It, it is, yeah. The, you don't want to get beat uh, down to the a, point where you're not going to bring something to the table that that could be, you know, an amazing idea. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I think I've always said, like, if you ever want to know how good your organization is, come up with a good idea and and kind of see how – because a, a, a really good idea, great. let's call it a great idea. Like a great idea is going to mess with a timeline – or expectations of someone or budget, like, like it's going to mess with things. And that's kind of part of what will make it cool is because it's not, it's nothing that people expected. And if you come up with a great idea in an organization, look around you at what kind of reaction it gets. Do people kind of take a problem solving mentality and figure out, you know, how to be flexible, how to, you know, what, what have you and creatively problem solve, or do they throw sand in the gears and kind of slow this thing down before it ever reaches the, reaches the light. So, yeah, I mean, I think part you, you the part of it is you can count on your organization and, and if you're in a good place, they're going to, you know, people are going to be able to go at problem solving in ways that you as a creative person aren't. At the end of the day though, and especially like working in a small agency for as long as I have, I, I see it firsthand all the time because it's like, you want to do what? Like, how the fuck are we going to do that with that budget? That, that, no. But then it's like the people buy in and they rally around it. And then it's not, you know, it's no longer just, it's not this, this creative's wacky idea. It's we're all working towards this goal together and we're all adding to it, making it, making it the thing. And I think yeah. that's, that's another thing that I've seen over the years change both in a sense of it really, it's always been a team sport, but I feel like as creatives, a lot of the time it would be like, Hey, I'm going to drop this idea. Y'all figure it out. It's like, Nope, yeah. you better yeah. you bring these Australians home on a cargo ship. <laughs> you're gonna help me figure that out. You know, you're not gonna totally. set off on a producer or something. But I think that's what makes it makes all ideas like that stronger. Um, is because again, there's other people that are bought in now that aren't necessarily on the creative side, but 
they're doing creative stuff to make that happen too. And it's all yeah. it's producing or PR or account or all that. And I think that's, that's, what's fun, especially when it's an agnostic idea like that. Um, even though, for sure, even though your president thought it was a terrible idea, but using that as yeah. an example of a thing, that's not like, okay, we're going to film this 30 second commercial. Cause we have a media buy. Yeah. I, you know, and, and to me, like one of the rules of thumb I have is like the better the idea, the more stubborn you can be. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I do think like if, if, you know, an idea is kind of working its way through and it's, you know, you know, running into the usual kind of hassles, I think, you know, you do probably get pretty decent after a while, like going like, what sort of headlines is this going to create? What sort of shit storm is it going to create online positive or negative and, and, and what have you. And you can probably at least assess a little bit of that and go, we're, we're going through a ton of work for something that, I probably won't even own the day. Like, all right, well, let's let's put our energy towards something else. Or, or hey, this this is going to reframe how people think about this product. Like, well, then you just keep on pushing. That sounds wonderful. So, yeah, I think I think some of those some of those metrics kind of come and you know come, that question I think kind of comes in handy as you're going through the process. Is really like how, how, just how good of an idea is this thing? Yeah, and how bought in as a client too, because if it's if they're bought in early on, it's obviously it's a lot easier than, hey, this is a big ta-da, and they're just like, what the fuck is wrong with you, you know? Totally, totally. We'll be right back. Let's talk about Milk Drunk for a minute. It's not a baby. It's a location on Beacon Hill that serves incredible ice cream and delicious fried chicken. I can't think of another more perfect combo than that. Besides, maybe Sean Kemp and Gary Payton. Milk Drunk also offers you a coating over your ice cream, like you used to get a Dairy Queen when you were a kid. Caramel, chocolate, vanilla. Milk Drunk's right off the light rail line in Beacon Hill. It's amazing. It's a great name, which reminds me of babies. That's always fun. So take the baby, take the kids, take your partner, take yourself. It's February and you don't want ice cream? Who cares? You're going to change your mind when you get there. Or just warm up with the chicken if you need to. That's Milk Drunk on Beacon Hill. And now, back to fucking up. Well, I want to talk just... Last thing, the wrong agency. Yeah. Let's. I'm pulling it up because there's an incredible, again, an incredible log line here. You've started the wrong agency. Most agencies believe they're the right partners for your brand. We're pretty sure we're wrong. And I've read your tenants. We talked about this. You, you were about to go live when we met in Sweden, and uh, and I've been very excited about it ever since. And I remember you saying, and this is on the site of the rule is one of the rules are you have rules. Number one, you have tenants, which are is great but they're all they're all very fun and but they're all very line in the sand they're all very you from what i know about you is one is like you can buy the work or you can kill the work but you can't change the work it's incredible so yeah i'd love to hear just a little bit about the inspiration for for the wrong agency and and how how it's gone so far yeah for sure I, you know the 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 wrong agency is the byproduct of my last two roles um which have both been on the brand side and both as, you know, Shanghai American School and Oatly are very different organizations, but the the there were some really key similarities that I think you see in the description of the wrong agencies, the, the wrong agency. They, they both had just a ton of trust from the top of the organization. Um, the organizations had a, had a, uh, a faith in, in the impact of creativity. And, and I think, I think in the, uh, and being on the brand side, coming up with a good idea and then going to do the idea without like worrying about this sort of like 
testings or, or second guessings or the distrust that I think is, is naturally baked into a lot of client agency relationships. It was basically going, I, I think I spent the last seven years doing some of the most productive, impactful work that I have. Why can't I do that potentially from the outside? Can I find the right partners who can who can kind of look at look at an agency partner with the same faith that that people looked at uh, when I was in house? And then can we can we then have a, a strong of an impact on business and and uh, you know putting creativity to to its uh, to its best use without overthinking it, without changing it, and you know making it oh, just a little better um, and what have you. So. Yeah, so the the wrong agency is basically can I replicate the the uh, environment that I created over the last that I enjoyed over the last seven years? Because I I really do think it would serve clients well. This isn't a creative wants to be creative for creative sake. This is a hey, I saw I saw you know how simple advertising can be, marketing can be, and there's no reason why why it can't. There's no reason why clients can't put a put a totally different lens on on that client agency relationship. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit of an experiment. It I dropped news of that, like literally just at the end of an article I wrote uh, for the drum uh, here in Europe. And other than that, it, like I, um, I put a press release up on, on the, the LinkedIn uh, profile of the agency, but that has been it. Like I actually had to stop PRing it because um we just got a whack load of, of people saying, I, we absolutely agree. And this is how we wish our agency partners are, or, Hey, we'd love to talk to you about our business or what have you. And so it's been four weeks of, of, uh, clients coming, you know, coming to us and going, Hey, can you, can you potentially take on our business? And so, yeah, it's been kind of amazing. And, cool. and I do think, yeah, I, I think it's been really, it's been really encouraging because yeah, the creative folks of, of course love, you know, love the mantras and love the fighting for creativity and, and, all, and all that. But I really, I've been super encouraged by how many clients and how many CMOs and CEOs have reached out and just said, yeah, this is, this is kind of how we want to partner. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that agencies have, again, this is an overgeneralization and I just said, I, have a hard time doing that. But I think more often than not, agencies have been beaten down to the point where they don't have the swagger and confidence that they should. You know, I don't think it, we need to go back to our madman era, but I think we can can have such a strong impact on business and, and there's just no need for, uh, yeah, there's just no need for us to bring in, you know, bring in the easy sell or, or negotiate our prices down or do, do all these little things that kind of say we're in, we're in a, subservient position because I, I just don't think we have to be that's uh it's amazing that you've gotten such a great you say a whack load of responses so far i that's it's it's very inspiring and i also think that you know what i love about when we first talked about the concept and then bring it to life again is this is very real it's very like you know when you when you pitch when agencies pitch against each other the the struggle oftentimes is when you put a deck together how is this going to be any different than like what Agencies are so hard or, or it's so difficult to brand your own agency. I think a lot of the time, what I see, especially, especially larger ones. And so it's like, this is the line on the sand. Are you, are you, are you into this? Or are you not? And it, it's very, it's very clear that people are, which is amazing. But not only that, it's like, you're already starting out on the right foot because they're bought in to, to similar belief systems, at least in theory versus, okay, you got this piece of business. 
we're just going to be pushing Boulder up the hill the whole time to do something mediocre at best work-wise that nobody's that excited about. So that's, that's really yeah. awesome to hear. I'm really excited to, to watch the journey continue to unfold. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Now it's been, uh, like I said, it's been really inspiring. And I think, yeah, you just, you picked out to me the the smartest thing that's happened of that, which is the conversations you're having are with people who are ready to shake shit up in their category they're eager to laugh. They're eager to like, like all the good stuff that you've had in maybe your best client agency relationships. It's like, yeah, that stuff is already in most of our conversations. And yeah, it's been really, uh, really quite delightful. Kevin, I've yeah. kept you for a long time. I really appreciate your time. Thank you yeah, for no worries at all. You for sharing your knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciate your time. This has been amazing. I think the people will love it. And um, yeah, I can't wait to to put it out there. Well, that's awesome, and I, and I I love I love just hearing your sort of comments and you know your your kind of recaps on some of the meandering answers I gave, which just really reflect you know a, a helping culture and and just you know really like looking to to help people you know do do their jobs better and frame their their challenges in a more positive way. And so I just yeah, it's great to great to be part of that. So thank you so much. Thanks, man. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I'll sure. be in touch. Enjoy your evening. Me too. Yeah, talk to you soon. Sounds great. Take care. Bye bye. Appreciate it. Join us next time on How I Fucked Up, a Copacino Fujikato podcast. With me, Andrew Gall. Talk to you then.